Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Keyonce. Today's episode, episode number 13, is going to be on ritual and revolution in the Black diaspora. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. What's up? It is your girl, uh, Keyonce, spiritual life and business coach, tarot reader, um, cultural sociologist, um, and self-described cosmonaut based in New Orleans. Coming at you from the NOLA. <clears throat> How is everybody doing? Um, thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the podcast, um, welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast, where we talk about um, Black spirituality, culture, history, the occult, astrology, all the different things, a lot of the metaphysical things. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. So I don't know if y'all noticed the pattern yet, but... I really enjoy talking about pop culture, so, you know, I'm going to start out the show today talking about pop culture. Um, So I just wanted to bring up some things. First, I did watch the BET Awards, and um, I, for the most part, did enjoy it. I enjoyed um, a lot of the performances. I will say that the the baby's performance kind of was a little bit triggering. It was kind of problematic in my in my um, opinion. It was a little bit too soon. And just, we don't really need to see the, the image again like that, especially not on BET. Like, we already know what that looks like. And I don't know, I think that it was just a little bit tone deaf for the audience and should have been a little bit more sensitive to... Um, the experiences of the people who are watching it. We already we already know what that stuff. We people there's the video is there. Um, we don't really need all that. But um, one of my favorite parts was Chloe and Hallie. Oh my god! Like it's so amazing to see them like develop. Um, I know that Beyonce is probably like an amazing mentor to them. Um, just the energy that they carry because I know like a lot of. A lot of people who start out as child stars, as many of y'all know, don't wind up making it because it's a lot. It's a lot of perverts out there. It's a lot of a lot of evil people out there who who take advantage of children. And it's just amazing to see them like just doing their thing. And I really enjoyed the um just the diversity of like the things that they did like they were had like the two people simulation like the battle thing and then their harmonies are always on point Ooh, their harmonies are amazing um and i just like the contrast in their attitude so that was really cool to see them those young people they are just they're just doing it and i think they're almost 20 years old which is amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know when they started. I guess when they were like 11, they've been with Beyonce for a long time. Um, by the way, of course, you always know I gotta have me a drink. So I'm sipping a little bit of 
gin and juice. Um, it's the fourth right now. And I'm about to go over to my friend's place in a little bit. I just wanted to record this episode before I left um, to go over there. And, you know, I just, I just had me a little drink or two, you know, get a little, get a little tart before I go. Um, but anyway, yeah, the BET Awards. I didn't get to see Amanda Seals' part where she was doing the hosting and stuff like that. I do typically like to see her. I like that she kind of shakes things up and, like, she isn't really, like, everybody's cup of tea. But I like that she agitates things and, and you know, no one's perfect, but I do like, I like, I like her a lot. I like, I like her. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Oh my God, y'all. Um, this Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith um, with August Al- um, Alcina is is very interesting. Um, is creating rifts through the black community, it seems like. This is like what a lot of people are talking about. And I am always here for the conversations about um, non-traditional um, arrangements and marriages and stuff like that. Like, I, I'm not really trying to speak anything over my future love life. I could meet somebody that I want to be with forever, but I don't know. I think that concept is, it's a lot and it kind of locks, it kind of imprisons people into not being able to be like really flexible and define what they, how they want to be loved. You know what I mean? And uh, relationships is a constant agreement and a contract and the terms can change based on the person that you're dealing with, person or persons. So it, it it's interesting. Um, just the power dynamic too, because I think August Alcina is from here. He's from New Orleans, and I think he was kind of from like a broken home. He had experienced like a lot of family death and stuff like that. And I think he was. <clears throat> I don't really know how old he was. I think he was below. 21 years old though so and then I I don't know how old Jada was at that time I know she was over 40 so the power dynamic you know and then they obviously are really wealthy and just given the interviews I honestly haven't really watched a lot of the interviews just because I don't really care a lot about straight love like that to to be honest sometimes I you know whatever but I do think it's I, like I mentioned, like I said, it's interesting because it's causing a conversation around polyamory and stuff like that. And I don't know. I wonder if anyone's going to talk about, like, you know, I've definitely heard that Will Smith has been, you know, um, had some bisexual experiences and stuff like that. So you just never know. You never know what the terms of what people is doing in the bed. I'm just here for the conversation because I think everybody deserves to do what they want to. As long as there is consent involved, um, I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Like, do you experiment, period. Do your alternative, alternative, alternative arrangement. You know what I mean? I don't, period, whatever. You do you, because at the end of the day, I don't need you in my business either. So go ahead and do you. Um, All right, so that's enough for pop culture. We have an eclipse coming up tomorrow. Well, at the time that I'm recording this, it's July 4th um, in the United States here in New Orleans. And there is an eclipse coming up on July 5th. And this will be the last eclipse in um, during this eclipse season this summer. 
and there um, there won't be another eclipse season like this until three until 2029 and that is because there there's typically two eclipses in eclipse season but there were three this time um, so there is the eclipse in June 5th through 6th June 21st and then there's one happening July 4th through 5th and this one I'm actually getting this information from Astro King. I am I'm in the big I'm I've been studying astrology for like a long time, but I recently have like dived deeper. I I dove. I have recently um <clears throat> undertaken a more rigorous study of the of the natural science. And so I, I'm still going to tell you my sources, though, because, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an academic, too. Um, so, y'all know Mars is in Aries until January 6th. So, uh, Mars represents um, force. That is a very masculine energy. Masculine, I don't mean as in, like, the traditional gender stereotypes of masculine, as in projecting um, and Mars is at home in Aries. So um, my actually in my chart, especially if you have any of the, I would say even the cardinal signs, but if you have Mars in Aries, this transit is especially going to affect you. I have Mars in Aries. Um, and apparently with this eclipse, Mercury is going to be square Mars and square can mean some kind of conflict. It's like a kind of tight, kind of interaction between the planets and so there can be an increase in the risk of rushed thinking hurtful words and arguments and so mercury rules thoughts mercury um i think is in roman mythology represents hermes mercury represents thought mars represents action and so the square represents kind of conflict so y'all watch your words and plus merch mercury retrograde um, I think Mercury retrograde is still happening. Um, actually, yep, Mercury retrograde ends on July um, 12th. So Mercury retrograde is happening also. And that is generally, you know, associated with a little bit of anxiety and communication issues. For me, especially whenever I lived, um, whenever I was living in Chicago and hanging out with a lot of people and stuff like that, during Mercury retrograde, I would kind of have like conflicts and communication. It was just a lot. Um, but this is basically these planets and transits is kind of saying like, watch your communication, you know, chill out. Um, typically with eclipses and stuff too, I don't really, I mean, you can do workings if you want to, but I don't really do workings a lot. I do like to do kind of more like introspective stuff or do like some astral travel. Um, if you haven't already listened to my shamanic initiation episode, that was on an eclipse. Um, a very big eclipse. Um, and so, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. This is the last until the last bit of eclipses um, until I think in December. So and eclipses in ancient culture. And for me, in spiritualist culture, in spiritualist traditions around the world, eclipses are portals. And honestly, I see them as opportunities to get those downloads from your guardian angels from your spirit guides from um from the higher beings that understand more about this motherfucker than we do 
So this is, this is a great time to pray to your spirit guys, you know, pray to your ancestors and stuff like that. Well, there is never a bad time to do that. It's always a time to do that. But this is especially if you're going to be doing any kind of ritual, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> also, another thing that I wanted to bring up was the um, the Black Astrologers Roundtable. I honestly don't really consider myself i consider myself a beginner astrology astrologer but definitely i'm not really as advanced as most of these people i do hope to become more that that advanced i actually just bought this um it's like an astrology course by sam reynolds and he's kind of like an og black astrologer and i've really been trying to learn more from black astrologers because like a lot of times like astrologers that are non-black and even black astrologers don't really describe things in my context. So it's like if you're ignoring a whole a whole event and a whole phenomena, a whole string of events happening in my culture, then and you're not you're just not even talking about how the planets could be like have, could be influencing that. Then I feel kind of like you know, culturally, um, like, abnegated, so I don't know, um, I'm trying to just really listen more to black astrologers and stuff like that, and so on the, on YouTube, on the black astrologers, um, roundtable, this is, this was called, um, let's see, hold on, so it is on the True Divination Podcast YouTube channel, and the title is Juneteenth Special Black Astrologers Roundtable. And so they had some different black astrologers um, who were different from different like age brackets and um, who had been doing and practicing astrology for like different amounts of time. And I really enjoyed it because they talked about the need for like in 2020 the need for black people to really begin building our own institutions, basically. Like, I mean, I, I know there's like astrology conferences and stuff like that, but I think it was more talking about like, um, it was like, yeah, there's astrology conferences, but they were talking about racism that they've experienced with them and like just different kinds of racial bias. And a lot of times that can be even be like just implicit bias from white people. And I'm definitely not excusing it, but it's just kind of like, dang, I don't really feel like doing the work to like even try to help y'all understand why what is you're doing is um, implicitly biased and you don't even get it. So they were talking about that kind of stuff and then just kind of like, the call for like more black people to be involved and interested in astrology, you know, to really pursue it if you have any sort of interest. I had to take a little drink. <clears throat> and so I would encourage you to look at that if you are interested um, in learning about black astrologers and even just different ways um, that we can build in the future. So, you know, I got a lot up my sleeve, but... Um, yeah, I'm really interested in this for the future. I think it's going to be very important, especially given the things that are going on in terms of in society. Um, one of the main ways to sustain like a cultural movement is to build institution around it, institutions around them. Um, 
around movements so that they can last longer and so that they endure and affect communities moving on um so if you're interested in supporting the show at all you can definitely donate um i will give you my information right now so my venmo is at k-e-o-n dash d-i-l-l-o-n um that's keon dash dylan and paypal is keon dylan at gmail.com k-e-o-n-d-i-l-l-o-n at gmail.com and my cash app is at eldra so that's at capital e um l d r a so yeah if you're interested in supporting the show send your girl some coin you know what i mean because i do put a lot of time into this and um yeah period get your blessings from your spirits by blessing one of the anointed ones hallelujah we all anointed especially if you listen to this show speak blessings over your name in the name of jesus take a i'm gonna take a drink a gin for that one so first off the fourth let's move on to the main topic of the show the fourth period um i wanted to get on here and just talk about the roots of independence day some of the problematic aspects of it and in an effort to to create a counter narrative to this holiday to create a counter narrative in this eclipse season before tomorrow before sunday um i wanted to do an episode on ritual and revolution and so i have some examples of different revolts and revolutions um some of them are in the u.s i'm going to talk about the haitian revolution i'm going to talk about um the german coast uprising which was in 1811 that happened 40 miles north of new orleans i'm gonna talk about an um i'm gonna talk about nat turner also and so just sit back because we are it's gonna be a little story time but I did want to create this kind of counter-narrative because I don't know about y'all, but me, well, I went to school in high school, junior high, all grade school period, all that, in Mississippi, and they basically taught us this myth that um, enslaved black people were just docile and like, you know, you very kind of just like, well, you know, things were happy. They were just picking cotton and da 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 that just was a narrative not only in real life but it was also a narrative um a narrative in the textbooks and so this was a way that they are they are basically trying to like troll our ancestors like no my ancestors actually were fucking warriors period so also i think it is it's problematic with like i remember those shirts were popular like at some point 
in the past. It was like, not my, my, I'm not my ancestors. You will catch these hands or something like that. Our ancestors definitely did throw hands a lot. They actually threw a lot more, as I'm about to talk about <laughs> with these um, rebellions and revolts and uprisings. And so, um, also, I don't like calling these riots. I like calling them, these are resistances. These are revolutions, period. You know what I mean? So, let's recognize it for what it really is. I think this was maybe about three weeks ago. I was listening to, um, I was on Kenya T. Partum's Instagram, and she was talking about revolution. And I thought that this quote was really powerful, but it was like, revolution is the unearthing and appending of a mode of production. And I think I've mentioned this before, but um, yeah, let's think about that kind of in the context of these revolutions and rebellions and uprisings that I'm going to be talking about um, here in a little bit. And yeah, I want to really emphasize um, just in keeping, you know, with the general topic of the show, these revolutions, like, have spiritual basis in them. Like with the Haitian Revolution, I'm going to talk about the ceremony that the, um, that a lot of people proclaimed that they did. And I'm going to talk about Nat Turner. I mean, I'm not going to really talk about Harriet Tubman too much, but Harriet Tubman, period. Let's take up a little bit. She deserves a little space. She had visions, um, visions of freedom. And so there's something to be said about these visionary people who literally like in, envisioned a reality that was beyond them. Like, I mean, Nat Turner got tortured and executed. They like, basically, this is a trigger warning, but they, <clears throat> they like cut his body up. They skinned him. They like sold different parts of his, um, his body as I think parts of like purses and accessories and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, this is it's some real shit. But, um, and there was a lot of, that's, this is a sacrifice, but he had a calling, you know what I mean? Well, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, but so I wanted to begin kind of by just exploring what Independence Day is, um, because I think it's just interesting, like the, the national project, um, that is the, of the United, of the United States and of American exceptionalism and all this kind of stuff. Like a lot of these narratives just don't really include like black people, um, or other like non-white people. So Independence Day, uh, is a, is a holiday that celebrates the, um, declaration of the quote unquote freedom of the 13 American colonies. And so this basically meant for white men and this was freedom from being under the monarch of britain king george the third and so it was the, basically the, the declaration of the united states of america um but it was still enslaved black people so we definitely i mean that's that's why we don't really that's why I don't really celebrate. I don't really believe we should be celebrating it and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it's a cool, I love this wave that is happening um, because this is also a, a redemptive factor for the ancestors. And so I just wanted to kind of go through um, the Star Spangled Banner because, I mean, I remember Drew Brees, he was talking about like, 
I think I mentioned this on a past podcast podcast, but just feeling like a certain kind of way that Colin Kaepernick um, was kneeling on his knee and not standing up during the national anthem. But um, it's a lot of problematic stuff in this. And so let's see. I wanted to find the problematic part. Um, And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country, should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. A hireling and slave? Excuse me. No refuge could save the hireling and slave. And so I would think of these as people who worked possibly for the um, British, the British colonies, but also as the slaves. So it's kind of like, I mean, I think that there were probably enslaved black people involved on both sides. But this is just a really problematic um I don't know, it's just problematic, and I think this is a very interesting time in history. Um, as we are seeing, I, I think if this is spiritual redemption, but we are seeing the true effects, the true long-term effects of like imperialism um, and colonization, and people are kind of understanding that this, this whole trope of American exceptionalism and nationalism is just not really... Um, it's it's false, and it creates a it creates a false narrative, and it asks asks people to live in conditions that create more stress for them. So, I um I don't know. I oof, that's a lot. So that's sort of one of the that's one of the one of the parts of July Fourth, and so I wanted to actually look at Frederick Douglass's speech um, that he gave on July 5th, 1852. Um, And so this was, this is what to the slave is the 4th of July. Um, And as I mentioned, whenever I can, I try not to call um, enslaved African slaves because that is kind of just reproducing the, the, the unequal hierarchy. But um, let's see. So this speech was given um, by Frederick Douglass on July 5th, 1852 in Rochester, New York. And it was held at Rochester's Corinthian Hall. And so let's see. This is just a little excerpt from it. I'm not going to read the whole thing but because the whole thing is like over 15 pages. But I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us being the black people. 
um, the enslaved black people, the blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common, the rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeath by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. Ooh, wow, this is a lot. The 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn to drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of Vic of Liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were you inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there is a parallel to your con to conduct. So I'm not going to go on, but that was, whew, that was a lot. I really like that those first several lines um and so yeah this is basically a a rebuttal to the the falsity of um of people needing to celebrate july 4th because that's not looking at it from from black people's perspective um so yeah I really, 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 really love this speech a whole lot. And it's necessary that we remember and honor other narratives. And so I encourage you definitely just, just go go read it at some point. It's in PDF form um, on the internet. It's for free. Go check it out. Okay, so I also wanted to bring up um, an uplift um, Frederick Douglass's first wife, who was a black woman, um, she was born a free woman. And I actually um, saw this on Instagram about um, how people do post Frederick Douglass a whole lot, but they don't really understand the work that his wife did. So apparently she um, she birthed five children, um, continued to run the household while he was out doing all the abolitionist work. Um Apparently, Frederick grew. This is, I'm just reading this on Instagram right now, but I did go back and do the facts check for the facts. So it seems like most of this is true. I had never heard of Anne Marie um, Murray Douglas, but um, this is from at skyblue81 on Instagram. Um, but yeah, Anne Marie Douglas was the first wife who was born a free woman. She used her sewing gifts and funds to help him escape slavery. What? She then used her funds to get them started as a couple. She birthed five children while Frederick um, traveled and grew popular in abolitionist circles. During this time, he gained new friends, which are mostly white women, um, who felt like Anna, Anna, who is um, his first wife, was too, too uneducated. So um, basically, she was doing all of this work and fell into a deep depression, died from a stroke. Um, and then two years later, Frederick remarried a white woman, um, Helen, who's a direct descendant of the Mayflower. Um, and she was an abolitionist and all that kind of stuff. And I'm definitely not, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not against black, white couples, but we know, we know how the game go when, when when they come up, they go to white women. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But that is very interesting that this black woman did all of this labor and she doesn't get, she doesn't really get that much shine at all. So I want to uplift her name. 
her name period because she's the reason this even this speech is even happening so i just want to uplift her a little bit um more than a little bit in this segment so that's that yes um frederick douglas thank you for that speech but also um i'm glad that we need to get to know a little bit more about your your, your first wife and all the work that she did uh, all right, so moving on to the next segment. All right, so y'all ready to talk about some some rebellions and revolts, um, some very interesting facts in these. So I only I have several here. Um, so the first one I wanted to talk about was the Stono Rebellion, which happened in seventeen thirty nine. Um, these. This happened in South Carolina, and it was on a Sunday, September 9th in 1739, and a group of slaves basically rose up. Um, they had lineage um, from the Yamasee War and experiences um, in their homeland, which was Angola, and so these were basically some trained warriors, and they basically, it's, this is kind of grisly, but they raided places they took the victims heads and put them on the front steps for everybody to see it was a lot going on and they were apparently um chanting lukango which is liberty in the native um kikongo language which um it's very it's that's amazing <laughs> i kind of love it it's very interesting um not like I'm glorifying the death or anything like that, but this is the time for us to see what we have in the spiritual realm. You know what I mean? I love reading these stories about like black ancestors. Like this is this is a testament to the strength of um, people to endure throughout history. And this is like when you're praying to your ancestor altars, you need to be thinking about this period because it's like. Think about the, the lineage that you come from. This is important in the context of, especially if you're going to be doing hoodoo and stuff like that, um, which I do honestly feel like black people only need to be practicing hoodoo. Um, but think about your ancestors because that is part of what powers your your ashe, you know what I mean? That's put, that's part of what gives gives a sense of meaning to the work that you do and this the sense of meaning to the spiritual work that you you do or that you undertake um so i thought that one was really cool i just wanted to give one that was kind of in the south carolina area um also this one has to do with louisiana this was the german coast uprising in 1811 um and it was definitely influenced by the haitian revolution which i'm going to talk about um later on but this is in 1811 and it was 40 miles north of of here in new orleans and it was led by charles de londe de londes i don't really i'm just saying it's like span like it's spanish but apparently this was the largest and most sophisticated revolt of enslaved africans in u.s history um and this was because the Stono Rebellion that I just mentioned actually had been the largest revolt of enslaved Africans on the shores, but this was before um, the United States gained independence. And so um, this was a pretty big deal. Um, oof, I'm just reading the details right now, Lord. This was a huge uprising. Apparently, I think they got 
to about 20 miles um, outside New Orleans before they got stopped and stuff like that. And I think the reason they got stopped is because I think somebody kind of told on them or something like that. But um, let's see, it was an army of about 124 people. Um, they hacked to death people and but they oh they allowed the master to escape in one of the situations and so that's the reason that it later caught up with them so this was one in new orleans um pretty big deal german coast uprising and so the haitian revolution that i'm going to be talking about here in a little bit after i talk about nat turner um the haitian revolution created ripples throughout the black diaspora it created ripples throughout the um the western world at the time the quote-unquote new western world because it was it was a testament to to the power of a people because the french the it was a whole french institution and so they literally beat france it was a that was a huge deal and so this revolution is just one that was that kind of like inspired another so it's kind of like if you think about it like different kinds of revolutions do they create a kind of inertia you know what i mean it creates a kind of like wavelength to where people begin to they get they get a rush but they also understand that they are in that they have the ability to influence reality and create a new forms of living that no one has ever envisioned before so this is it's always very interesting to look and see how different movements like influence um influence other people and other other revolts and stuff like that so okay so now moving on to nat turner's rebellion in 1831 now there are some very very interesting details about um, Nat Turner that I'm going to be going over, especially just in, um, in terms of thinking about his relationship to the, the, the story of Christ. So let's see, um, which by the way, the story of Christ is actually a story of astrology. It's the story of like, basically the sun's, um, travel through the solar system and through the universe. So that's a whole other, um, podcast, but Nat Turner was a revolutionary in Southampton County, Virginia. And so Nat Turner was always very like prophetic as a child. Um, he even had kind of like a host of followers. Um, he was, he would have like, I guess like premonitions and stuff when he was a child and just kind of experience, like kind of like, exhibited different types of behavior that were similar to the um the story of jesus christ and also um apparently like he was um where he was executed was jerusalem virginia and which is very interesting and then there's another correlation in terms of him being from virginia like the virgin mary is where um jesus is from you know was born from um the virgin mary and so it's very interesting but he had a very christian faith and i mean this is also can be you, you can relate this to like syncretism um because it's like his particular form of christianity was very black and it had like black like african roots 
um, in terms of the visions and incorporating a lot of um, signs from nature. So um, I'm going to talk about the eclipses in a little bit. But yeah, he also incorporated signs in nature um, in his messages, in his Christian messages. And so um, he learned how to read and write at a very young age. These are quote unquote um, like great works. Um, he was deeply religious, was often fasting and praying, immersed in reading and stories of the Bible. Um, he frequently had visions, which he interpreted as messages from messages from God. Um, these apparently greatly influenced his life. When he was 22 years old, he ran away from his owner. Ugh, I hate that word, owner. It, I don't, I don't know how what other words to say. Owner, not owner, definitely oppressor, um, demon. Um, but returned a month later after having a vision. So um, he often conducted Baptist services and preached the Bible to fellow enslaved Africans. Um, the prophet, they called him. On May 12th, 1828, he heard a loud noise in the heavens and the spirit instantly appeared to him. He said, and a serpent was loosened and Christ laid down the yoke um, that he had born for, for the sins of man. Um, this is an excerpt from what he was saying. And that I should take it on, fight on and fight against the serpent for the time was fastly approaching when the first should be last and the last should be first. I don't really know what all that means. But, um, Turner was convinced that God had given him a task of slaying the enemies, his enemies, with their own weapons. And Turner communicated the great work laid out for me to do to for in whom I had the greatest confidence. So he was basically accompanied by four, um, four men. And this also apparently has some parallels. He had four accomplices. And um, also, I mean, there are four Gospels. Um that successfully document the life of Jesus. So this is the gospel of Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John. And these are the gospels that they wrote about Jesus Christ in the Bible. And these were some accomplices. So it's like, that's another parallel that's very interesting. And so also he took signs from eclipses as to, um, as to when he should act. And so February 11th, 1834, at 1831, there is an annular solar eclipse that was seen in Virginia, and Turner saw this as a black man's hand reaching over the sun, and he took this as a vision, a sign for the rebellion. And so he had initially planned the rebellion on for July 4th, that Independence Day, but it was uh, rescheduled because... Um, his he and his followers had like an illness or something like that um and they wanted to do more planning and so on 18 on august 31st 1831 there was another solar eclipse and the sun appeared bluish green um up possibly from a degree from mount helen wow that's interesting i did not know that mount helen Mount St. Helen erupted at that time. 
Wow, that's so interesting. Because um, Mount St. Helen is in Washington. So yeah, Nat took that as a, as a final signal. And a week later on August 21st, he began the rebellion. Um, and let's see. He also apparently had influence over white people and was able to like convince them that slavery was bad and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, this was very interesting because he did, he had visions, um, that basically informed his movement. And so the revolt was very successful. Um, it was a large, um, it was a large revolt and like it kind of, it made history, but of course they did capture him and he was tortured, um, but nonetheless, and he all he died at 31, and so I think that is also around. Um, Christ apparently died around like 33. I also I don't know the story of Christ. You know, like I said, 30 33 has to do with degrees in astrology. It has to do with like the amount of time that the sun moves through a certain zodiac sign is 33 degrees. It's not necessarily the sun. It's not necessarily Christ being a certain age. But also the parallels are very interesting, even if they do relate to the planets and more of astrology. Um, so yeah, this eclipse, he took that as a sign. So that's very interesting. This is another way that the nature and and spirituality, um, I would say even astral travel, the visions that he was having, this is how they influenced like revolutions that made history. Um and this is definitely not in vain at all. And so moving on, I also wanted to talk about the Haitian Revolution, which sparked other movements around the world that created ripples. Um, so the Haitian Revolution was in Haiti, um, and it was during the time... Um, when there were a lot of sugar colonies so france was producing i think i think haiti was producing over nearly 40 percent of the world's sugar and so can you imagine a tiny island like that haiti producing sugar for for the whole world the whole western world especially and so um the haitian revolution definitely um Oof. They had that fire. But, um, so let's see. The revolt began on August 22nd, 1791, and ended in 1804 um, with the colony's independence. And so it was basically led by um, Toussaint Louverture. And that's my, that's my French accent. Uh, Toussaint Louverture. So that is who was leading the revolt. Um, I'm just looking at Wikipedia right now, looking at this before I get into some of the other stuff. So yes, yeah, so this was a re revolt. The, it was a, there was a caste system. The, the country was very divided. It was a caste system based on, you know, based on labor, sugar labor, and um, people who were Creole were uh, owned um, black people, black, um, black African people. And so 
the thing about the Haitian Revolution that is so powerful um, is the ritual that is legend around um, around the start of it. And so they say that an Ogun, um, who is, this is like an initiated priest in um, Haitian Vodou, um, <clears throat> there's a meeting in the mountains of the north and I'm basically getting this from um, Webster.edu. This is a university website. But uh, so the meeting was a form of a voodoo ceremony. And this was August 24th, um, 1791. And so this was, this was a, the revolt started, I think they mean, when, when, I think they mean the start date was whenever they start planning and stuff like that. So it was raining and the sky was raging with clouds. The um, enslaved black people then started confessing their resentment of their condition. And a woman started dancing in the crowd taken by the spirits of the laws. With a knife in her hand, she cut the throat of a pig and distributed the blood to all of the participants of the meeting who swore to kill all the whites on the island. And so this black creole pig um was specifically a sacrifice to um Ezili Dantor who is a very very important lawyer and Haitian vodou um I'm not an expert on Haitian vodou or anything like that so I'm not going to sit here and try to explain too much about it but that is also the national law of um Haiti from what my research um, says. And so the ceremony started in Boy Caimon. And that is me trying to say it in my best French accent. Boy Caimon. Boy Caimon. I, I think I sound pretty good. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that is where it started. Um, so, yeah, this is another instance of ritual and revolution. And so they attribute her to... They attribute um, Erizili um, Dantor, I know I'm butchering that, um, to their success. Um, but one of the most unfortunate things about this was the way that Haiti was treated afterwards. They were def they were treated as a separate independent nation, which had never happened in history. It was an extraordinary feat. But at the same time, um, the, the revolution did tear the country apart. And so um, they had to pay back France um, reparations up until um, the 19, 1940s-ish. Um, they had to pay back the equivalent of $21 billion. And yeah, so apparently they paid it off in, in 1947. But... Um, yeah, um, in 1804, apparently, like, um, well, 1804 was whenever the legacy of debt began shortly after gaining independence from France. So 1825, France pulled up within warships and they were like demanding, um, compensation for the revolution and lost lives of enslaved people and all this kind of stuff, which is like, what the, like, we need it, we need it. A freedom from y'all to freedom. Um, 
So yeah, so this was up until 1947. So this is something a lot of people also don't really understand. Like France was making payments, and that is the or Haiti was making payments, and that's the reason a lot of the times like the country has been so broke over over history, and so um, a lot of the country was messed up. A lot of the way that they had um, produced the sugarcane and stuff just ravaged the entire country if you look at haiti and you look at um la república dominicana it's like the dominican republic is very green whereas like haiti the way that they treated the land was just terrible and it's like it's very dry and so a lot of agriculture has issues there um and so yeah it is very unfortunate the way that haiti was treated after that but it is a testament to show like the power, but at the same time, it it's like it's just it's sad that it they had to pay reparations and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, this is all to say I would say for this time, you know, we are still in the movement, we are still in it, and it's important that we recognize our history and that we 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 engage in creating counter narratives um that empower us you know what i mean and that further um decrease the amount of just indoctrination indoctrination into the into the bullshittery so yeah so i talked about nat turner eclipses we talked about some uprisings up in the north louisiana um, these are just all just very important to think about as um, as we move through these very interesting times um, and continue the, the fight. All right, so next we have hashtag Capricorn advice. And so um, we have someone that wrote in jh and they are seeking advice on for their journey um it says my journey i'm going on a 30-day deep spiritual upliftment um for the month of july so i'm gonna choose a few cards march 24th saturn's return is all is basically done after this year um so let's see take a few breaths and knock on these cards see what's going on <clears throat> all right so okay I have three cards that I've pulled right now, and this is in relation to JH's spiritual upliftment journey. And so we have the Hierophant, the Knight of Swords, and Justice. And so this is very interesting. Um, the Hierophant and the Justice card are major arcana cards, so we can use those cards to kind of center... Um, and focus on any kind of spiritual lessons, any kinds of spiritual lessons that you might need to learn. And so with the Hierophant, 
um, the Hierophant relates to like institutionalized religion. So part of your spiritual journey may be figuring out how to um, create, like how to engage your own um, or an institutionalized form of spirituality that vibes more with your mission. This might be a time, good time to reflect over that. Are you into group spirituality or do you prefer like solitary spirituality? Um, which which kind of like of those um, reinforces makes you feel more supported and kind of reinforces your morals. Sometimes a lot of people do enjoy group um, spiritual activity, like kind of like religious activity, whereas other people like myself, I really enjoy solitary spirituality and solitary ritual, ritual solitary rit witchery too. Um, you also got the justice card, <clears throat> and so justice. Um, Justice has the sword in his right hand, and then in the left hand is the sign for Libra. And so the sword represents the double edge, the kind of like harshness, like, I wouldn't even say harshness, but kind of like the, the, the side of justice that doesn't really care. There is no good and bad in terms of the severe justice will just give you what you deserve, period. And so then um, the justice has a scales and those are the scales for weighing, you know, weighing which which is bad or worse. And I would say in terms of the Hierophant and the justice, this is talking about your definition of what justice is. And in terms of your spiritual journey, think about the ways that you can seek redemption um, through your spirituality, through the spiritual uplift, upliftment journey that you're going to be going on um, through the month of July. And so you also got the Knight of Swords. And the Knight of Swords, the Knight is on a horse. And the Knight is like, has a sword drawn, holding it forward. And as on the, on, on the horse, like running forward, the horse is even kind of looking back like, where are we going? Um, so be careful not to be too hasty with being, I would say, um, influenced by um, any kinds of realizations that you might have throughout your spiritual upliftment journey. Because sometimes our mind does have a way of like playing tricks on us and it's just better to um, not come to any hasteful assumptions or conclusions. Just kind of say, I think what I'm kind of getting from this is just kind of like do some reflection, but don't make any hard, you know, decisions during this spiritual journey. Um, kind of use it more as a way to define your spirituality um, outside of the bounds of like an institution, like a religious institution, like the Hierophant card suggests. But and also think about um, what what is your definition of spiritual justice? How can you do justice through your spiritual work, not only to other people, but to yourself? Um, so yes, those are some things that I'm, I'm thinking about. And yeah, don't come just don't come to any hasty decisions and don't make any conclusions too, too soon during this journey and just kind of enjoy the ride. Um, yes, this is a really great reading. Um, so yes, thank you so much for listening. Um, I love that y'all support me. Um, thank you so much. We finally reached 2,000 plays um, between all the platforms. Like I said, if you are interested in donating 
to um, the MSF podcast. My Venmo is K-E-O-N dash D-I-L-L-O-N. PayPal is KeonDillon at gmail.com. And my cash app is at E-L-D-R-A. And please share this podcast with people that you think would be interested in it. Please go and if you haven't already, leave me a review on iTunes. You know, leave me a written review. Um positive i hope you know um thank you for everyone who has left a five-star review um if you are interested in collaborating or if you want me to speak on a webinar or anything like that let me know please shoot me an email to millennial soul food um at gmail.com um also check out my website um my website is millennialsoulfood.wixsite.com slash msf888 that is m-i-l-l-e-n-n-i-a-l-s-o-u-l-f-o-o-d dot w-i-x-s-i-t-e dot com slash msf888 um thank you so much and i'm sending so many blessings out to everyone and um yes let's get it this mars and aries energy is hot Um, Peace and blessings, and I wish you the best on this eclipse. Bye-bye.